Hi, this is Cameron George with Ard Beg. Pour yourself a dram, settle on in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. Bobby and Aaron, how are you today? Dear Katie, thank you. I, Sincerely, dear, Bobby. Sin, I don't know what I'm we're trying, doing. I'm trying to throw uh, <laughs> some fun into this since I realized I got into a little bit of the rut with like, how's it going? How's your day? Tell me, tell me about your day at school. Saying dear Bobby and Aaron reminds me of like the dear Abby. Like yeah. we're about to go yeah. off a column in yeah. some Sunday newspaper. Which is or something. I mean, which is probably better content than we put out. Anyway, yeah. So I'm fine. Yeah. I'm good. I, I too am doing well. We have a really cool guest. When we have cool guests on, I get very pumped. I do drunk. too. I, I want to see a time where we start an episode where we're like, ah, we're really not too excited about this guest. That they were <laughs> this guest is terrible. Let's get through so, this. Mediocre at best. Yes, here's hope we for, Hope we remember to edit that intro. I'm turning my mic off. <laughs> I will say something about the guest that we have on today, though, because I know one of my favorite things is like the podcast has really grown in the last year is we've got we've got some pretty cool swag. Like we've got Cast Chaser swag. We've got Wilderness Trail swag. Uh, Aaron's rocking the Bardstown Bourbon Company t-shirt. Like... There's some there's some style in the whiskey industry. Sponsors, you mean? Is that, that what you're trying to say? <laughs> fashion brought to you by sponsors. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, our guest takes that to a whole new level from looking at like his Instagram and LinkedIn. And I'm just going to say to everybody listening, once we bring this gentleman on, do yourselves a favor and check out those scenes because there's this double-breasted green velvet suit coat that um, I only... Like I want to go to every tasting in some version of that. He might be our on. most fashionable guest. Yeah, I, I think. I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah, hands yeah. down. And we had Peggy No Stevens on, and she That's was classy. True. That's true. Oh. I, I think I want to. Like I the two of them are pretty balanced. Close so. second. Yeah, yeah. You, you can guess which one is close second. <laughs> All right. Also whiskey. I guess he does whiskey yeah. too. So. Yeah, and, and like a good one. One yeah. that I like yes. a lot. Yes. Let's talk. I'm ready. Yeah. Well, let's bring them on. Well, Cask Chasers, I am so happy to introduce you guys to the U.S. brand ambassador for Ardbeg Distillery, Mr. Cameron George. <sighs> hello. 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 Ooh, yes. Cameron George. The crowd goes completely silent. But thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, it's a distinct pleasure and honor to join you. Yeah, we're 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 a fan of the of the brand and everything, and happy to have you on. And I, I think we have we have a lot of different people on the show and at various levels of whiskey, and we we get a lot of brand ambassadors for new and upcoming. Um, and they talk about a lot of the how difficult it is to get the name out and everything like that. You live in a world where Ardbeg, I don't want to say does the work for you because I know you're busting your butt out there, but everybody knows Ardbeg, and I've yet to I've never even people that aren't Pete fans mm -hmm. like Ardbeg. It's kind of, there's a cult. I mean, if you follow, yeah, he's, he's not in his head. He's like, yeah, so there is a cult. Yeah. There's an Ardbeg cult, pseudo cult, um, mm -hmm. in a, you know, that, that's all over the internet, Facebook and things like that. So it is a beloved brand. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm interested to hear about how you interact with that too. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the, that's one of the things that was incredibly alluring to me initially about the brand when I first, discovered them when I was kind of bartending in the 
mid 2011, 2012 kind of, you know, years is when I started to fall in love with single malt scotch whiskey. Um, and that kind of cult following is one of the things that very much so stood out. And it's, it is well deserved and rightfully earned as I think that Ardbeg historically, ever since the reboot in 1997, the relaunch of the brand, they have been at the cutting edge of, I guess, um, nonchalant marketing. I would, I would say mm. it's not like they're attempting to market specifically to a core demographic of people. It is that the brand just wants to express itself in the most genuine way possible. And there's something that people from all over the world have been able to latch onto and just love about that. Like Ardbeg is just so cool. It doesn't have to try to yeah. be cool. And everyone wants to be like Exactly. It. Absolutely. I respect yeah. that. I mean, coolest in the room without trying. You sent a whiskey to space, so I don't know yes. how <laughs> much more. Cameron did. Cameron, Cameron did. sent I, a whiskey to space. Would have, I would have loved yeah. to have been in Me, that board. personally, I will take all the credit for that. Dr. Bill, if you're watching yeah. this, had nothing to do with it. Oh, I'm fired? Okay, got okay. it. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Dr. Bill, I mean, he's he's uh, he, in his own right a legend. I mean, he is a legend. I'd put him and Jim McEwen probably toe-to-toe with Scotch whiskey as far as legacies are concerned. And there's a lot of other players out there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take away from that. But he is innovative. I mean, uh, you know, you see it at Glimmer NG, you see it at Arbeg. It's really outside the box thinking um, without losing, because, you know, and I want to hear your opinion on this or thoughts on this. Scotch whiskey has this, you know, very old school, don't change it, keep it the way it is mentality. And then over here you have this, well, how do we make it new and how do we make it different? Um, and there's that balance. And I think he probably, and those two companies, his two companies specifically, do a very good job about maintaining that balance of new and cool and old school and, and the old way. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Innovation, I think that that's right off of the bat, you hit the nail on the head. When you're speaking about Ardbeg and, and the relationship with Dr. Bill, you have to bring into the conversation the Glenmore G Distillery as well. And what I find so interesting is that one master distiller literally not even has to change hats. He has to change heads almost completely mm-hmm. to, to get into the space to innovate or, or at least um, understand what innovation means to both of these two distilleries because it's not one and the same. At, at Glenn Morangie, he's, you know, experimenting a little bit more with, with yeast strains. He's definitely doing more bespoke barley experimentation as well. At Ardbeg, we theorize that there are some pretty mysterious side projects going on. I remember saying in the pre-show that nothing was off limits. There are some things that are off Damn limits. Damn it. But, <laughs> but, you know, it, innovation at Ardbeg is very, very different than it looks like at, at Glen Morangie. And the nature of the relationship between those two distilleries, I think, bookends the entire category of Scotch whiskey. You're very right where, you know, when speaking about how uh, Scotch has this air of staunchiness and that, that, um, innovation is long gone, that you don't change anything. That's just simply not true. I think that innovation in, in Scotch whiskey isn't necessarily the loudest subject in the room mm. as whereas, you know, in categories like bourbon or American whiskeys, you know, that is a, a core concept. How can we innovate? How can we be different? You know, it's, 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 it's a very interesting kind of playing field to see what innovation in the whiskey world looks like, or at least manifests itself as. Yeah. In the category of the mysterious experiments that you referenced a minute ago, I'm not going to, I'm mm-hmm. not going to ask a question. I'm just going to put a thought out there that that made me you know, cross my mind. 
I like, um, I love Glenmo and Ardbeg very much. And it's funny because I typically tend towards more of the, the PD profiles, something that's a little briny. Like I love those very intense notes. Um, but I've also really started to come around to some of the more fruity or nuanced whiskeys, primarily through like working with Bobby and Aaron and just, you know, being exposed to more types of scotch. And I'm just wondering, I don't know if there's ever been a collaboration or a blend or, you know, if one day this could be a mysterious experiment of its own. But I'm really curious about what would happen if you brought both of those bookends together and if it would be the equivalent for the whiskey world of discovering like chocolate covered bacon or something like that. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> Well, <clears throat> first off, I would say in the future, watch that space. Um, my face probably lit up just a little bit there. Um, watch that space because there's definitely I have heard conversations of um, asking that exact same question. Um, and if if people are asking that question internally, I'd imagine that Dr. Bill is probably steps ahead of them already. Um, so not to speak for him, but I, I would definitely say watch that space. Uh, and then in terms of like, you know, seeing what Ardbeg would look like as a lightly peated whiskey. We've actually done that in the past before. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody remembers, uh, you know, our Ardbeg serendipity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and also back in the 60s, 70s, um, Ardbeg spirit profile would have been uh, a, a bit less phenolically laden. Um, the PPM range would have been a little bit less in the 60s and 70s than it currently operates at today, which is between 55 and 65 uh, for our core range whiskeys. Alan, we won't accept malt that is above that, though. Alan from Scotch Attic on Scotch Attic is a, you, you know this, but for the listeners, is a huge, massive group in, uh, in the Facebook land. And Alan runs that group and a big whiskey fan, but he's very into vintage old whiskeys. And him and I have gotten into conversation about, you know, old Ardbeg and before the, res- he's, he's very before the resurrect, 2000s kind of your resurrection of new, what we know whiskey, Scotch whiskey today, most, most cases. Um, yeah. A lot of buildings were shut down and stuff. But pre that time, there was a lot of cool stuff happening then also. And that was non-peated, low-peated, things like that. But I, I haven't tasted anything from back then. But I'm interested in the new, some of these newer whiskeys are coming back with old recipes and old ideas and kind of revamping them and showing the, like me, I'm not going to get my hands on a 67 Ardbeg. It's just probably mm. not going to happen. I don't know. Is it, Cameron? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, it takes a long sip. Yeah, Cameron yeah. takes a long sip so he doesn't have to answer the question there. Um, anyway, so more uh, more free swag for Cameron to get that to work out. Um, so, um, <laughs> That's so, an easy one. Yeah, my point is, though, I like innovation. I do. I love scotch. I lean into the world of scotch. Uh, I like bourbons. We talk about bourbons, but scotch is where, you know, my love is. Uh, and I think because there's so much complexity and nuance, but what I really adore about it is there is change and the fight for it is so aggressive yet. And I said it before to maintain that balance. I think Ardbeg kind of has it. I get fruit and those casual, you know, notes in Ardbeg, those mm-hmm. sweet, those those dried, you know, fruit and kind of all that with the, with the peat kind of swimming through it. And then sometimes it's very heavy. Sometimes it's very light. Um, we're drinking the black right now, which yeah. you have to say it like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it because of the Ram on the label? You, you absolutely. Because it has <laughs> 15 A's. Yeah. It's got yeah. three A's. <laughs> um, and, you know, each bottle I taste has uh, that balance of new, you know, interesting techniques with, old school 
what I want out of a scotch. And I'm not lost on either one of them. I don't, I, I never, I've never had one that I thought this is not what I know. And I don't want to sound like the guy that needs it to be what he knows, but it's, there's a difference balanced with the, with the old. And I, I love that. And I think it's baby steps. And I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. Dr. Bill kind of does that. And then the brand, you can see it in the brand with some crazy stuff every now and again. But, you know, anyway. I, so I, I, I do want to get into some of the things going on in the brand a little bit more. But before we do that, Cam, I, I'd like – and I, I know our listeners would like to know just a little bit about your personal whiskey journey. He got the job yesterday. You, that's right. So this morning <laughs> he woke up and they were like, hey, you work for Ardbeg. Here's a podcast that you're talking about. Here's a room full of whiskey as an incentive. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. just, they just have those hanging around. Um, but you personally, uh, w- what was your introduction to whiskey? Uh, what was your introduction to Ardbeg? How did that all come about? And how did you get to where you are now? Yeah. Um, so I guess let's let's rewind the clock back to... Cameron in college, which nobody wants to meet that person, but we can talk about him just a little bit. Um, so he was an unfocused, uh, almost a miscreant is probably the best mm. word there. Uh, so I was politely asked to leave the university that I was studying at. Um, yeah, so you I got moved a dear Cameron letter. <laughs> exactly. A dear Cameron. <laughs> I was, uh, oh, this started off. So pleasant. Uh, uh, okay, get out. Yeah, get your yeah, stuff, yeah. leave. Um, so I ended up moving back to Seattle, Washington, and starting in the bar industry. And I started off as a dishwasher, you know, washing dishes at a three-compartment dish sink, scrub, sanitize, and then rinse, you know, so rinse and repeat. Um, and then after a couple of years of that, I moved into uh, cocktail bars, and I started discovering a love of spirits. Scotland was the first country that I ever visited uh, outside of the United States. When I was about 10 years old, I went for a wedding. One of my mom's friends got married in Scotland. And um, I found myself just absolutely enthralled with a lot of the flavors and a lot of the aromatics that reminded me of the time that I spent over there playing outside, literally in the muck and the mire that I thought was just mud, but Turns out to have been Pete when we were hanging out up in the Shetland Isles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so interestingly enough, I had a connection that was already pre-established. Now you you layer on top of that uh, a young kid who has a thirst for um, spirits education. And so those two things kind of started to branch into one another. And I found Scotch whiskey more so than American whiskeys. I do absolutely love bourbon and rye, um, American single malts as well. But Scotch whiskeys not only limited to single malt, but blended malt, vatted malt whiskeys um, became increasingly in- interesting to me, um, specifically hailing from the country of Scotland. So that was where I really started to take a, a, a massive interest in the, you know, in, in the spirit category that is Scotch whiskey. And then the way that I really kind of uh, found a home at Ardbeg was actually Due to one of our good, uh, our good friends, one of our neighbors on Isla, um, the wonderful Brooke Lottie. Babe. Yeah. Hey. Um, I'm in the mood for a cocktail. Okay. I can probably help you out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling summery, gardeny, okay. herby. Summery, gardeny, and er- we have, and by we, I mean Impact's Beverages, mm-hmm. we have this brand of gin called Herb Garden Gin. Talk to me. Okay, they have one that's called Damask Rose Ooh. with Juniper. 
Another one that is pink elderflower and jasmine. I love that. Yeah, that's delicious. And then lemon verbena. Lolly lolly. Yeah, exactly. How about a little, we could do just a perfect serve, right? A little damask rose, a little low sugar tonic, maybe some simple syrup. Sure. Shake it up. A little grapefruit yeah, wedge in there. Yeah. You want to do that? Yeah. Awesome. Great. Impex Beverages is a proud sponsor of who? Uh, cask chasers. Cask chasers. Yay. Yay. I actually did, uh, take a trip to go visit Brooklady because I had won a cocktail competition and I decided that I wanted to see as many of the distilleries as I possibly could. And I set out to visit Ardbeg on day one. Um, and I ended up spending all day at Ardbeg on a tour with Jackie and I just absolutely fell in love with that place. I've got a funny story that we'll come back to a little bit later as well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, 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 oh, yeah right. <laughs> funny Jackie story. It's got a funny it. Jackie story, right? Um, so yeah, that was kind of how I discovered that I loved the place that is Ardbeg, not necessarily limited to the whiskeys. And ever since that trip in 2014, I believe, um, the, now the whiskeys have been inextricably linked to the sense of place yeah. that in my memory of Ardbeg mm. distillery yeah. as well. Yeah. We talk about that. We talk bit. about that all the time. How, how you, how mm. whiskey and for, for one reason or another, specifically scotch whiskey to me, I, I link it to a place. I link it to an experience. I link it to, mm-hmm. it, you know, you have this whole sense memory thing that goes on when you're, when you're tasting something. Um, and yeah, no, I know. I absolutely love that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, I want to know what your winning cocktail was. Yeah. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Ooh. yeah. So that Brook Lottie cocktail was like a Port Charlotte cocktail that had lemon, um, it had lemon custard and camom- like a chamomile syrup. It was a it was a tasty, tasty little cocktail. Sounds Not too com- complex, but um, <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely horrible, horrible. <laughs> Much better cocktail with our big tenure. Oop, I said. Oh yeah, yeah. no, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I love I love yeah, are- cocktail professionals explaining how they make a drink because back in the day it was like let me get a cocktail and it was like basic ingredients. Today it's like. Do you have this, 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 and this ingredient? I'm like, I'd have to fly places to get that ingredient. Yeah. How do you? Where did you come up like, with that? Like a like an early 20th century apothecary. Yeah. In I don't know, with like a weird herb garden yeah. next to a sorcerer's castle. This is uh, mm-hmm. this is uh, East African fountain root, and you have to get some of that and muddle it down. You're gonna love this. I'm like, well, I'm never gonna make it, so I hope so. So you don't stock East <laughs> African fountain root. <laughs> no, no. Is it is it similar yeah. to raisins? Because yeah. I have those. Wegmans. Yeah. <laughs> Wegmans is out of it, I think. I asked yeah. and they said. But um, no, that's really cool. So you were, I, I love hearing that because that puts even more emphasis on the passion. And what we love about, we've had a lot of ambassadors, national ambassadors and people. You are among our favorite people because we always say you're on the front lines, really out there pushing it. And we've never met, and you don't want to meet one. I'm, I'm assuming this is part of the hiring process. But I've never met one that was like, I guess it's okay. I just do this for the paycheck. But I'm sure they're out there. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but there's always this link to the I fell into this passion, literally love story about falling yeah. in with whiskey. And it makes that, and we love, and then we get to be a platform on the show where we get to show our listeners why, in this example, Ardbeg 
not only is amazing, but the people that are pushing it have a love story with it and a passion behind it. And they're out there because they really do care because yeah. he was 10 years old and, you know, and the story evolves. It's you know? like, it's been like um, listening to someone describe the band or the song that made the biggest impression on their life in their formative years. Like that's the tone yeah. of the conversations yeah. these yeah. always have. I absolutely agree. You know, I think, you know, I was actually just talking about this the other day is that to be an ambassador doesn't mean that you are, you know, totally just, just enveloped in the brand, but it's an expressing of your love for said brand. It becomes a piece of you rather than your entire identity. Um, yes, I say that wearing a casual Ardbeg shirt in my, you know, in, in my <laughs> whiskey room here on a Saturday afternoon. Um, but this is a, it, it's a part of who I am. It's a part of the experience of getting to know me as an individual. Um, is one of my absolute passions. And, and, you know, I want to be able to express that and bring as many people to falling in love with Ardbeg as I possibly can just in my own way. I don't, much like the distillery itself and the brand itself, I don't want it to seem like it's uh, like it's a massive, uh, you know, lift or, or something that is incredibly cumbersome. I want it to be as genuine as possible. And for that reason, it has to, you know, make sense with uh, with who I am as an individual as well. Cameron, I'm going to read the about you section from your LinkedIn, because <laughs> in addition to that sweet double-breasted green like emerald green velvet suit coat you're rocking i said is this guy the great and powerful oz that's awesome it's like i don't care i want to look like that uh this is something that really stuck out to me that i think plays into exactly what you're just saying so on your linkedin page you write i bring to life tales of place provenance and passion via liquid stories that explore not only the depths and complexities of your whiskey glass but the relationship of humanity and nature itself you put that on a pillow. <laughs> if, if you guys had seen uh, Cameron's face when she was reading that, he was like, "Oh, damn, that's good." Like, you know, I did, like yeah, I did write. Yeah, I, I must, yeah. I must have been in yeah. a good space when I wrote that. Man, that was good. That was good. Like, which Arbig was in my glass when I wrote that? Let's <laughs> find those words again. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I um, what I you know, a lot of times we talk to people, and this is the big picture whiskey drinker I think we're talking about now and I'd love to later get into some of the complexities of the actual different offerings and the whiskey itself but I, something that kind of popped into my head is we have a lot of conversations with people that are entering the world of whiskey and we try to talk scotch and the first thing they say is I just don't like peat that's why I don't like scotch mm -hmm. so we find ourselves kind of you know going well it's not all peated and, and start here this is a different category this is a different you know, conversation because I mean, Ardbeg Pete, right? I mean, that's what you, that's Wait, where you what? go. Is, is it? Well, oh, so wow. your conversation, you're, you know, talking to somebody entering the world or getting to, getting to know it, you can't really deflect to the, well, there's other stuff. Maybe you can, but I'm saying if you're trying to sell the brand, how do you have that conversation about Pete without scaring someone? Because Pete is, if you're, if you take that first step, and I think when we were on the live, I asked you the question about Pete being kind of the, you know, the first thing to meet you at the door and the loudest person in the room, unless you know how to look around him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so how do you overcome that Pete scares me conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So I think first and foremost, people have a, a, a misunderstanding with the relationship between Pete, smoke, malted barley, and then what ends up in our glass every day, right? So 
First and foremost, I think Pete, people assume that Pete is going to render a dark, ominous, almost brooding, um, you know, scary. Yeah, I think that that's probably the best word for it as we're moving into October and spooky season here now. Mm-hmm. But people assume that, that heavily peated whiskeys are going to be scary. Um, and that's just not the case. They, that is approaching that entire subset of a category of whiskey as, as a monolith. There, it's, it's not, it's not leaving any room to understand the, the nuance of a distillery's inherent operation as well. And that's equally as important to the conversation of Pete. So whenever I'm starting to, to have that conversation with somebody and trying to, to break down, you know, the relationship between what's going on in their glass, and then why some of those things or how some of those things develop. First and foremost, you know, the conversation with Pete is one that I absolutely love. Pete is essentially just decomposing plant matter that is the topsoil from tens of thousands of years ago. So when we want to tell those stories of a sense of provenance and a sense of place, that is the best way to absolutely do it. What has been growing in one specific place for thousands of years? Well, Pete. So that vegetation is incredibly unique in terms of its, its um, the thumbprint that, you know, it's, it's essentially the thumbprint of a, um, of an entire region. For me, one of the things that I absolutely love about Ardbeg is you have this relationship of, yes, it is a heavily peated whiskey, but peat doesn't mean that it's going to just only communicate smoke. I think the five flavors that I look for anytime I'm, you know, dissecting an Ardbeg, there should absolutely be something that's savory. There's going to be something that's a little cold driven. There's going to be something that is a little sweet. There's going to be something a little medicinal. And then, of course, something that is a little woody or oak influenced as well. So once you start to kind of break that peat or flavor universe down into five specific flavor profiles, it becomes easier for, you know, the, uh, the, the new, the person who is going through their first experience with an Ardbeg or a heavily peated whiskey to say, wow, it's not only smoke. I do taste vanilla. I do taste something like lapsang souchong, or I do taste something like dill or fennel, or I do taste something a little bit butterscotchy or clove, or a little bit more like clove. And then I do taste something that is a little almost crystalline or pointed, almost like coal as well. Mm. So it's pretty interesting. It is pretty interesting, you know, to to be able to open the doors for a new consumer. Um, so that they, you know, they don't feel as overwhelmed by the sense of flavors. That's something that's very important, and especially for a brand like Ardbeg, which people often say, it's heavily peated, so I'm not going to like it, <laughs> you know. I, I think it reminds me of, you know, spicy food, kind of. And, you know, there's a there's a local place we have, um, I don't give them a pitch because we love them to death, uh, Farmer and the Cow. If, if you're ever in Delaware, Farmer and the Cow, gourmet burgers, probably one of the best whiskey selections I've ever seen in my entire life. It's yeah, a little bar. It's ridiculous. Yep. So th- they have this burger, burger called the uh, Moo Caliente. And I've had it twice. Clear. And the first time I had it, it tasted, it was amazing. And there was this balance of the, the heat was there, but the flavors were there. All the nuances was the the heat, the pepper elevated the other flavors, the other notes. Mm-hmm. And they brought that stuff. The sweetness was sweeter because of the heat and all of those things. And I think that's what you're looking for in Pete. Now, later on, they knew me, we were friends and they wanted to have a laugh. So they made it really hot and it was, un- it's you, couldn't even, you couldn't even eat it. But, but I think that's kind of I, I, that's what I'm hearing. Less 
well, I mean, you said it beautifully. I mean, poems are obviously your second nature. <laughs> he went on this on this eloquent, eloquent, you know, dance, and I was like, I it's kind of like a hot burger. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. But <laughs> but my point is, Bobby's like, you know, hot sauce. You know, hot sauce works. Yeah. My point is, there's a balance, and I think for me, a well, a good peated whiskey is balance, and it elevates mm-hmm. certain flavors. It's not just. I'm not anti-Octomore. I think Octomore is fantastic. But Octomore's goal is to be peated. It's it's to be in your face. But even there, there's little nuances. Mm-hmm. But because of peat, I get more chocolate. Because of peat, I get more sweet nu- nuance and yep. things like that. And I think I think that's what I want people to understand. That, And I'm glad you said it the way you did because the listeners that are like scared of scotch... They that's what they're scared of. It's kind of like thinking yeah. about how when you're cooking, if you really want to bring out the flavor of something, you toast mm-hmm. it in a way. Like even something as simple as pecans. Like I, I love, especially this time of year, playing around with like bourbon glazed peaches and lots of different like herbal roasts and, you know, nuts and the things that I'm making. And just like heating up pecans, like chopped up on a saute pan on your on your stove, like that automatically releases the aroma of that type of food more than if you just, you know, throw it back. So that's, that's important too. You know, I think there's something to be said as well um, about, I, I found, I just, I found this very interesting and actually pretty intriguing that, you know, starting out with the most heavily peated malted barley in reg used for regular production. We do have to say that because we have mentioned the Octomore as well. Um, but starting with the, the most heavily peated, you know, malted barley that's used for regular production and then going into the unique distillery that is Ardbeg yields one of the more interesting spirits around, from around the world. So Ardbeg, we take on our malted barley from Port Ellen Malting Facility that's been peated to at least 65 parts per million, at least 55 to 65. That's the range that we're generally looking for. We will take on malted barley that, that is um, beyond that, that parts per million as well. We won't take it unless, it, unless it's at least 55. But one of the things I absolutely love about Ardbeg and that I fell in love with the very first time that I stepped foot there was how nonsensical in the best way that the distillery is. Um, you know, uh, washbacks, fermentation tanks that are all wooden, that are all wooden fermentation tanks. Mm-hmm. That's strange for a peated whiskey distillery. Um, a spirit still that is, that is larger than, uh, a spirit still that is larger than the wash still. So it takes mm-hmm. two washes to fill the spirit still. And then something like a purifier coming off of the, uh, coming off of the spirit still as well. So when we look at, you know, our, our competitive set of whiskeys, which I have massive amount of respect for, I'm a massive Lafroig fan as well. So I think that that's probably the best, best one to juxtapose against. You look at a Lafroig which takes, which takes on a malted barley that is slightly less phenolically rich than Ardbeg's, but the end product, tenure for tenure, theirs seems to be a bit oilier, a bit, um, almost a bit more phenolically active as well. It, it, it tastes like it's a little bit, um, richer and denser in terms of the, the PPM that's been utilized. But if you think about it, at Ardbeg, we are taking on the most heavily malted bar, peated malted barley, but we actually lose more phenol throughout our process because of some of those oddities that I just mm. mentioned. So in glass, something that is, you know, something that we would assume would just communicate smoke and vegetation actually communicates a lot of elegance and a lot of nuance at the exact same time. So it's not only the peat that matters, but also the distillery's inherent operations 
that are equally as important as well. And we haven't even talked about maturation yet. So. Right. I love the use yeah. of the word nonsensical um <laughs> in that cuz it's and, and you you even when, I've never been to the distillery but um you get that in in the best way you get that vibe just from people that work for Art Bag and uh a, a lot of people that are just fanatical about Art Bag it seems to uh it seems to be a magnet for people that are I don't want to say people that are nonsensical, but a, a, a bit of eccentricity, you know, in mm-hmm. the best possible way, like like Willy Wonka ish, you know, like like sort of like this whole. And I think that speaks to Doctor Bill as well. Um, but uh, it's I, I love that you use the word nonsensical because that that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to know. All right, chasers, we're just going to pause there for this week, but don't worry. We're going to continue this conversation again next week on the Cast Chasers podcast. And in the meantime, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cast Chasers. You can also join our Facebook group. Don't forget to check out our website, which is castchasers.org, for show notes, Cast Chasers swag, and much more. And until next time, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase. <laughs>